So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Welcome to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. This episode is all about the Universal Studios motion picture, Dracula. I am Matt, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Karen. Hello. And Quinn. Hello. And now, why a Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights episode on this particular movie? Well, we did talk about this a little bit in our last episode that we were all on together. Uh, There are many, in many ways, this movie helped start the horror genre. It's not the first horror movie ever made. It is the first talkie horror movie ever ever made. And what I'm really trying to say is, without the horror genre and not, without the history of ho- horror behind Universal Studios, there may not be a Halloween Horror Nights or maybe even to maybe the extent we know it today. So we're kind of covering it as part of the history that led to the event, in a sense. There's also another reason why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the other big reason why is... Karen, being the newly ravenous Halloween Horror Nights fan that she's become over the past two years, has never seen this movie nor any of the other classic Universal movies, horror, or I should say monster movies that we're going to talk about. So in a way, it's catching up Karen on the history that led to something that she is now finding herself a really huge fan of. So that's really the genesis of the of why picking this subject. Now, another, I guess, a third reason on top of this is we have been asked by several listeners to continue in the off season, and we would, if we were to do that, we would pretty much run out of years to talk about on Halloween Horror Nights this season. So this is another way to still stay in the our subject matter, but talk about something different. So we're that's where this is coming from, and we're starting off with the really the first one. I think worth talking about in the legacy of horror. Now, not that the silent movies aren't worth talking about. They are, but they're more difficult. I think to talk about than starting with Dracula. So that's what the premise of this is. And really to start in this discussion, Quint is kind of man the reins in this particular section and subject of series. So I'm going to go ahead and stop talking, which apparently is difficult for me because I'm still doing it and let Quint take over from here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, I had never actually seen this film either. This one, uh, this okay. is one of the, yeah, this is one of the one of the ones that I had not actually seen. I'm, uh, I'll admit it, I'm not an old movie fan. I don't like old movies. Um, anything that is it was made before I was born that I've watched is probably a western that I watched with my dad, and that's pretty much the extent of my old movie watching. I've watched a couple of the classics because you have to, but other than that, I don't watch old movies. So going to watch these, I wasn't really looking forward to it. But I was very pleasantly surprised. Dave, from uh, also from Neo's as on Star Wars and character, has a phrase that he said more than once on other shows. <laughs> Anything made before nineteen was it nineteen seventy six isn't worth watching. Yeah, that's you know, Dave's that's, opinion. That's I'm just of, saying. I'm not yeah. saying that's ours. That's what he said many times. Um, so I'm going to go through some of the the quick details here. Uh, it was released February twelfth, nineteen thirty one. The director was Todd Browning. Um, obviously, Bella Lugosi. Uh, Lugosi was the main character. Uh, David Manners, Helen, uh, Helen Chandler, White Fry, and Edward Van Sloan were the uh, supporting cast. Um, it was it, right there with the cast list when when the credits came on the screen first, and that's another thing from old movies that yes. happens that I forgot about. Um, mm-hmm. The credits came on the movies first. It was amazing to me how few characters and how few cast were actually credited. And even watching the rest of the movie, there were very few uh, supporting cast members or, 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 you know, uh, existential cast. It was just really small casts back then. And it's it's surprising what they managed to pull off with that. I Um, love that it has such small casts. Like, I think we get so lost in these, in 
these huge casts and especially with so many huge names and all these movies anymore, it just kind of loses some of the charm of it. I agree. Um, nowadays. And one of the other facts that I, that I happened to stumble across on the, on the wiki page was that it has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I didn't think to look at those. Yeah. I didn't think to look at those numbers. That's a good point. Um, and, and, and uh, spoiler alert for the next few episodes, <laughs> the uh, Rotten Tomato ratings are very high on a lot of the things that we're going to be reviewing. Really? So, um, yeah, it amazes me. And, and I can and I can actually see why. After watching this movie, I can actually mm. see why. Um, they were very well made. Well, I wouldn't say they were very well made movies, but they were they were thought about it well enough and made well enough that they they kind of hold up in their campiness. This is a real interesting point that I, my notes are, I don't really have anything chronological. This is kind of my, it isn't my wrap up note, but it's towards the end. This is a difficult, and I'm actually really happy to hear how this conversation is starting. This is a difficult movie to judge as far as being well done or not well done on a couple levels. One, it is, it is literally in that time period of talkies to silent so much to the fact that mm-hmm. there is a silent ver- or was a silent version of this i think it's all but lost now at this point so it's not only one of the first talkies it's the first talkie horror or even supernatural movie and so there's so many huge technical first for this it's really hard to um it was hard for me to say whether or not they were doing well or it's it's difficult to judge next to anything we've seen today for sure so i tried right. and i've never really watched this to review it so i watched it as like this is a very first time a horror movie or a movie like this maybe horror isn't even the word they had in mind back then yet i think they did but the first time a horror movie had dial had a, ta- a soundtrack to it and watch trying to envision myself watching it on a big screen in a dark theater and in that mindset it's for all its flaws, it's really not flawed cons- when you consider all yeah. that going into it. So um, the, the first thing I really noted, because I, I I mean, I tried to sit and just in t- it, take in the movie and then I'd stop every once in a while and I'd type a bunch of notes and then I'd continue watching it because I didn't really want to, um, I wanted to actually absorb it. I didn't want to be d- distracted taking notes. So six minutes in, I pause and I'm like, Everything has been revealed. We've got vampires being revealed. The f- coffins have been revealed. Shapeshifting has been revealed. Uh, you know, the, the villagers have already explained everything that everybody needs to know about this. Um, it, it, we even had a, a really nice little um, insect vampire gag coming out of the insect-sized coffin. Uh, it, it was just like everything's already revealed and we're only six minutes in. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm like, that's not something you see anymore. Like you don't see this whole, no, here it all is. This is what we're talking about. And now we're going to progress with the story. And this is just, you know, this is, it's now, uh, it's part of the story, but it's kind of like the messy details are out of the way. Nowadays you get this reveal all the way along, right? You, you would maybe have been, you would never have seen that coffin scene right up front. You would, that would be somewhat later. You would never, you know, get that, Dracula is obviously the driver, obviously the, you do, never get all of that stuff. Right. right? Uh, the other thing that there, that I noted right off the bat was there was a lot of matte painters that made a lot of money in those days. Yes. And they are yeah. just like, I mean, I have dabbled in art. I do pretty much all the, anything that has to do with any kind of graphic design and news as, and I can't even begin to imagine how to wrap my head around those glass, what are they called? You know what? I watched one of the behind the scenes and I forget what they're called. One of those, the, the glass covers of the cameras so that everything is shot in camera. One, how to even start matching the perspective of what you're shooting against. And then two, making it more or less. I mean, for the most part, unless I was really looking for it, just seamless and blend right in and realistic. That I, I am always have not only in this, but in, I've always been impressed with artists that can pull off realistic, almost photographic type paintings. I just don't know how they do it. Yeah, it's, it was, I was impressed. Um, I mean, it, it, that part didn't take me out of the movie at all. Mm-hmm. There, there was a couple of things that did, and I'll get into those a little bit, but, um, so I don't, I don't want to go through this movie, uh, and, and, you know, go through every scene or anything no. like that. I really everybody, just want to talk about it as a whole. Yeah. No, like, everybody knows the story. The story. Everybody knows yep. what's going on. Right. So, um, 
some of the things that were really that really stood out to me as really good um, were and I'm talking all mostly production values right now was like the the door effects in in Castle Dracula were fantastic. Um, the uh, even the carriage effects were were pretty good. One of the things that wasn't so good was that any time they tried the bat effect, it took me right out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a little. That rubber bat uh, was a little rough. It was, yeah, it was really rough, and they used it a lot. I will, yeah. I, I will at least admit, at least when I was watching it, and it may have been the device I was watching it on, I didn't see any strings, so there was at least that no. going for it. True. No, I was watching uh, it on my my big screen TV. And I didn't notice any either. Okay. And if I was going to see any, it would be there because yeah. it was all blown up. It would have been somewhat obvious, I would think. But yeah, yeah, there that that is <laughs> there is other <laughs> issues with it. Yeah, but and I mean, I mean, again, I have to think about this and think about how long ago this was, and just kind of like, yeah. oh well, okay, get it. But it really took me out of it. Um, see what what else uh, did that really stood out. Um, Oh well, uh, Van Helsing's glasses are very bubbles. I loved his glasses. Uh, uh, t- t- uh, oh, the portrait shots that they did all the all throughout this movie, but especially on Bella Lugosi. I keep saying his name incorrectly. Bella Lugosi were absolutely incredible. Like any time they wanted to portray this, you know, that this him staring things down, staring people down mm-hmm. or, you know, him do, they would, they had these portrait shots that were always lit really, really interestingly. And they conveyed everything that you needed to convey without having to do anything else. It was, it was mm-hmm. just, they were really, really well done. I thought when yeah. talking about the shots of him, when they would cast the light across his eyes, I actually wrote, started writing out notes about, tropes and then i realized i'm writing about the movie that other movies are developing tropes from so technically things that i'm finding at tropes aren't tropes yet because this is the first one doing these things right, right. So, this which, was the original yeah which was another interesting thing that i never thought about watching this movie i've seen this movie probably 20 times throughout my life you know, it's not the one I watch the most. There's there a couple we'll be getting to. I watch far more often than this, but I've seen this enough times. And just the, I, I probably have heard the Bela Lugosi accent. I've, I've seen the image of Dracula probably in 50 things growing up before I ever even actually saw this movie and didn't really sit and think about that. This is the first time all those things have happened. So this has been a really, I, I think I can't learn more about this movie until we actually sat and did this and realized, wait a minute, all these things that used to be in my uh, impression of the movie before they're there. It's this movie isn't making fun of them. This movie is those things. So, is them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a really interesting revelation watching this. Even, even like all of his, his mannerisms and his actions and the way he uses the Cape and all that stuff. That's all. What, what I think of as classic Dracula, and this is where it's from, yes, right? And yeah. this is like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like everybody does that, but this is, these are the guys that made it happen originally. Right. These are the guys that, that pioneered that character's tropes, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, yeah, it was very fun to see. Uh, it, I, and I thought they did a, they did a really, really good job with, with him and with his, I, I don't know if it was direction or if it was just him being who he is. Uh, but yeah, Dracula was portrayed incredibly well. Yes. And I, th- and I think that, that the fact that they have become tropes and that, that every movie uses them is a testament to how well they did. Yeah. Yeah. I, agree. Um, I did remember how much I hated speeded up, sped up film. That um, is, <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. This is the, the boat scene. Yeah. Well, um, do you know that that was pulled from the silent movie archives? I did not know that. Yes, they uh, did not okay. have the, I, I don't know if it was a budget thing or if they, maybe they deemed it not necessary because they had this, but all that footage is pulled from the silent movie archives and the silent movies were filmed at a different frame rate than the talkies. Right. Okay. So that's why it's sped up. Yes. Okay. But I mean, I, I even remember, like, like, like I said, I used to watch a lot of old westerns, right? And they used to use the sped up film a lot yeah. for, <laughs> for high speed horses. Oh, and well, that's all true that. too. And I yeah, hate, right. always hated it. Yeah. Right? I really always did not like it. It was like, no, let's horses run fast enough. Let's just, just. It doesn't need to be that much faster. I don't know. I, 
Um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, an interesting thing that just brought, brought back how much I disliked that effect that Hollywood used for years. If you want to see a sort of modern interpretation of that, like, I wouldn't even say rent it. If it's on Netflix or Amazon, find under siege Two. every time Steven Seagal flips someone over, they, they speed up the film. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. That oh, is a true statement. Yeah. That's freaking. That is freaking awesome. I got. I'm gonna have to look for it. Just. To, I'm not paying for it. Don't right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Don't rent it. it. Just find it. Just, just to fast forward through, just to watch a couple of those. Yep. <laughs> oh God. Um. Okay. So we've gone through a lot of the cinematography. Uh, well, not really. We've gone through a lot of the production stuff. Um. Cinematography. We've touched on a little bit, but um. I have to say, the because of the way that they're, they're doing a lot of the cinematography, they don't have moving cameras. They don't have dollies. They don't have cranes. They don't have any of that stuff. Um, they did still manage to get some very, very impressive shots and some really, they, I mean, I think they had some really creative use of, of camera positioning and you know, what framing, like what you got to see in the, in the shots. That's what's crazy about the history of this movie. The more you investigate it is that the cinematographer is Carl. I think it's pronounced Freund. It's a, he's a German name. It's F R E U N D. Is that, is that how you say it, Karen? Yeah. Friend. He, he had filmed his, probably his most uh, visually striking movie up to this point was Metropolis for, um, oh, what was his name? I lost it. Oh, I had it in my head, but, um, uh, Fritz Lang. I was going to bug me until I got it. Shot Metropolis for Fritz Lang. Bringing him on. I mean, that, and that, and I'm saying this because that was his thing. It was moving cameras. It was the, it was telling, structuring a scene around where the camera was going to move, not where it was placed. So there's a lot of conjecture on why he was not doing what he was known to do in this movie. And it's either, it's kind of 50 50. Could be 50% Todd Browning. Uh, was a stage director and a silent film director mostly up until this point. So he's used to directing at a still camera or if it was that universal didn't put as much money into the gear to pull off the shots that, that um, Carl was known for. It's really unfortunate because if you were to go and watch Metropolis and try to, and kind of just see that style and think of how maybe he would have shot um, Dracula, if he had the freedom to, and all the, the resources to do it, it would have been, visually a lot different movie yeah uh, I'm, I, I don't know that i i liked what i saw oh i um, did too which is i think a testament to his talent i think whatever was restraining him whether it was todd browning or budget he still managed to use his talents to the best he could with what he had yeah and you know i don't know how much of this was built sets or they found locations but some of the some of the st- the, the places that they found or, or built to shoot were, were really cool. The stairway room in the end of the end of the movie was really, really a cool uh, visual. And it, the, you know, the way that they used the stairs and the way that they used the, the, um, the angles for, for your eyes was just, it was incredible. I loved it. Hmm. A lot of his limitations had to be budget because that was during the great depression. That's a good point. Yeah. So now, at that had the point, depression, had the depression yeah, started the, yet? The, the stock market crashed in 29. Right. So yes. it was the beginning of it. And they, that's when they started making some cuts in, in areas where people just weren't spending the money and movies were, it was when they started, this is why they started making talkies to try and get people to come to the movies more. Cause they, they weren't spending the money cause they didn't have the money. It was a luxury. Right. Good point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, script. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? I want to say one thing you said about the framing. There was an interesting, yes. there's an interesting tech note here that I might not have really, uh, I mean, I understand it, but I wouldn't, wouldn't really appreciate it, I guess, in a sense, even though it is kind of a technical problem. Had I not been a, <laughs> I've been a, uh, projectionist at a movie theater all through college karen were you did you ever work the booth at that movie theater no no okay did you guys notice how everything is a little off center and favors the right side of the screen yes 
That's because since it's being an early talkie, the optical soundtrack takes up like about five to seven percent of the actual frame after post processing. So they lost that section of the right side of the frame due to the soundtrack. It's something that most of those movie makers <laughs> weren't used to accommodating for at the time. <laughs> so, oh, that is a great little detail. Yeah. So if anyone is wondering, you know, if you just look up film strip or uh, maybe. Yeah, probably film strip on Google. If you've never seen this before and you see a picture of a movie and then a little squiggly line next to it, that's the optical soundtrack. The theater I worked at, well, at the time, at the time I worked at, we still used optical soundtracks. This is well before digital projection. So I knew exactly what this problem. Once I <laughs> heard that they lost that percentage of the frame to the post-production, I knew exactly what was going on. So that's why everything favors the right side of the screen because that part of the, original framing is now used for the soundtrack and that 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 makes the cinematography even more uh, uh astounding yeah <laughs> that, you know because because you set up all these shots you frame them really well and you shoot all this stuff and then somebody arbitrarily just chops off a chunk of your screen yes like uh wait that's you know huh that's that's really yeah it makes it even better yeah i think <laughs> um but as i said we're moving into the script Wow, there's um, it's minimal. Let's say that I have some problems with the script being a little bit too much exposition, okay. packed too tightly into not enough dialogue. If that makes any sense? Yeah, yeah, I see um, what you're saying. It's you can tell that you can tell a couple of things. A, you can tell that they were not used to having scripts in movies yet. You can also tell that this was very much um, uh, the, the the director was very much a stage director because yes. it was directed very much like a like a, a theater project. Um, I, I don't really have too much else to say about the script. I just think there was a lot of exposition going on that didn't need to be that didn't need to be done. And when the characters were interacting with each other there was almost no real conversation. It was always usually one character talking and the other one may be throwing in a little bit of interjection here and there, not really a full conversation. It's yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a lot of this is, is a uh, very stage reminiscent. I mean, the script was adapted from a, the 1927 stage version of it first off. And then the director, yeah, exactly. has a lot of stage experience and Bela Lugosi was, I think, I want to say the touring actor for it, but I might be wrong on that. So he, a lot of yeah, no, he he's reprising his role from stage. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah but I mean, yeah. I don't know if he was like the Broadway performer or the touring performer. Oh, you know what I mean? No, like, no, no, there's no, two no, different no. casts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't even know that it opened on Broadway. Whatever its its main house is, what I was what I'm trying to say. Um, I only know that because I live with a stage person, so she has learned learned me all these things. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm not term? even sure. Yeah, yeah. that's very Ricky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they, and I'm not even sure how much adaptation was done, or maybe they just took lines straight from the script and and because yeah, it, it felt very very wooden to me. Yeah, well, yeah, and again, it's uh, I I don't know that this is Todd Browning's first talkie, but regardless of whether it's his personal first talkie, it can't he can't have it ton of experience no one could have a ton of experience directing mm -hmm. a talkie at this point because this is the beginning right. of the talkie so there's a lot like i said these are some of those things like i said it's it's got some flaws it's got some warts but i overlooked them because it's the first time they've done this so oh, no I, I yeah no i mean i'm, I'm picking nits here oh really. yes exactly yeah um, and that's what when you, you i'm just yep when, when you watch you with know, a critical it, eye to review it that happens i know exactly where you're coming from yeah and so like that, that's really the only bad thing I have to say about the script is that, and, and there is a lot of story to tell. And this movie is not very long. Yeah. It's an hour and 20 minutes, I think hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes. It's not a long movie. So they're telling a lot of story and they're condensing a lot of things and they do a good job of it. I, everything comes clear through pretty clear. Um, you know, there was a few places where I think the explanations weren't quite there, but it's it all ends up pretty good. I'm curious um, with this being both your first viewings, what you thought of the story you got as opposed to what you were expecting to see, because I know people that I've insisted watch this movie 
or expecting just Dracula for an hour running around biting necks. They don't see, they don't expect the Renfield story. They don't expect the him even leaving Transylvania. So I'm really curious what you guys were expecting as opposed to what you got. I, I, I don't think I really had a major expectation okay. having heard that how great it was. I think I was just kind of holding back any, making any sort of pre- opinion about it so that I didn't go into it and end up disappointed or, you know, not, not liking it because it yeah. didn't have this or that. I so, gotcha. yeah. um, I actually came out of it liking it a lot. I actually like the fact that it has no musical score to it. That is, <laughs> I think that enhances the story more so than it, than if it had, a whole score underneath of it. Interesting. Okay. I don't agree or disagree because of, well, we'll talk about it a little later, not much longer, but I have a, yeah, something to talk about on that. Quinn, what did you think as opposed to, uh, or, or did you even have any expectations? So I've read the book. Okay. And, um, I also had seen the, uh, the Bram Stoker Dracula with Gary Oldman. Yes. And so, I knew the story and I knew how it came together and all that stuff. And I was, when I started this, I was very happy to see that I got to see Renfield's story. And cause that's really to me, I mean, okay, let's, let's kind of, we're, since we're talking about the script and we can talk a little more about the story, I guess. Um, to me, one of the, the interesting things about the story is that I find, I find everyone in the story Kind of boring, except Renfield. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Actually, I don't have yeah, that note, know, but when you said it, yep. Yeah, it's true. In, in some interpretations, Mina Harker has been an interesting character. Yes. Um, uh, uh, the um, uh, the boy Harker is never uh, an interesting character. the The doctors are never interesting characters. Van Helsing was always boring. Uh, even Dracula himself, once you get over the reveal, he's not that interesting of a character. But Renfield, the the, the basis of things that Renfield goes through are amazing. That's a note I do have as we're talking about script is that the it's it's hard to um, watch this movie nearly if it's now and is over 80 years later, because you kind of know if you know the story, you know, Renfield's story already. I tried to put that out of my head, and I tried to put out v- previous viewings of this. As best as I could do that, Renfield's story, his, the kind of, um, the flip into insanity and not really explaining it again. I knew what was going on, but not explaining it until we kind of moved on into the movie and a little bit by by little was done really well. I never appreciated how well that story was translated into this movie until I put all that on my head and tried to think about seeing this for the very first time. The Renfield story is fantastic in this version. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think that, um, Oh, what's his name? Fry, uh, Dwight Fry gets nearly enough credit nope. Uh, nope. for this role. Um, he played a fantastic Renfield. He, yep. his, his, you know, you see when you see Renfield, the first in the first part of the movie, he plays a good character there. He's kind of, uh, you know, uh, th- there were a couple of things I didn't like about how they did stuff, but that minor things nitpicks again. Right. Um, but he plays that, that very kind of wary, but worldly traveler, very well. And then, you know, you start seeing him on the boat and you start seeing him start going deeper and deeper into this, this complete madness that he, he, that consumes him. And it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, Dwight, uh, Renfield, Dwight Fry, definitely a highlight. I mean, I've always enjoyed it, but again, really, instead of watching it just to watch it and to watch it, to talk about it, shed a whole new light on this, which just really enhanced this movie for me. And I think as far as performances, Bella Lugosi, and we're probably going to talk about this shortly. Classic. Can't say anything really about that other than. No, no. I mean, step right into acting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, The acting in all of this was, was again, between those two guys, they stole the show. Yeah. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. Bella Lugosi is, he set a bar for Dracula with this performance. And it's, it's one thing to be the first, this could have been the first, but if it wasn't done well, who would bother caring about 
you know, impersonating it or paying homage to it or even right. caring about his performance. So being first and being as doing it as well as he did in the way he did it is huge to this movie. Yep. And then along and with that, that is is Dwight Fry's performance, which is I wouldn't ever I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say it was lost on me. It just I'm so used to again watching it at the I saw this when I was very young and it's just been a part of my life ever since then. So there's always the the Bella Lugosi thing. Everyone does a Bella Lugosi impression. Even that weird <laughs> Leslie Nielsen movie from like 25, 30 years ago was yes. a, was a Bella Lugosi impression. Dwight Fry, um, this Renfield kind of gets lost in history, and I wouldn't say I'm not saying that as a shame. I'm just saying it's it it it's, it was nice to take this time to reevaluate this movie and reappreciate how great he is in this film. Yeah, he and he really is good. Uh, his performance was much more a screen performance than anyone else. Yes. Um, yep. Most of the other performances were still very, very much stage type performances, but I, th- I think he had already started to transcend and he, I mean, he talked to the camera. He made sure that the camera was, you know, picking up all of his little nuances and yeah, he did a fantastic job. That's a great point. There's that whole stage thing where you play to the back row. Now, Bella Lugosi isn't necessarily over-exaggerating his motions or anything, but his presence, the way he's delivering his lines, is playing to the back row, in a sense. Whereas yeah. you you hit the nail on the head. Dwight Fry is playing to the camera, which hits the back oh. row. Yeah, that is a distinct difference between the two. There's one other cast casting thing or acting thing that I wanted to point out, and that is uh, Charles Gerard, which is Renfield's assistant. Mm-hmm. He had some of the funniest lines, <laughs> and it was it was just like I was not expecting humor in this movie at all. Like I did not expect no. Any, you're any right. Comedy yeah, at when all. you say that, yeah, and you're had, right. And he had some great one liner, almost throwaway lines that were very very funny. Um, and and just that that whole thing of him chasing Renfield through the whole movie. I I don't know. I just he he did a really good job, and he and he was a nice little comic relief. Uh, it was something very unexpected. I didn't think about, you know, I didn't think I was going to see that at all. And it was very much appreciated. Mm. I wonder if I, I never really Van Helsing. I knew was a character in the movie, but it never really was the, the character in historic perspective in a weird way to say that never really stood out to me till I was like much later in life, maybe like my late teens or even early twenties. And then of course you get the, 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 the attempted resurgence at v, Van Helsing, uh, through his own stories, through comics and movies and whatnot. So by the time I really paid attention to Van Helsing, the idea of him is so different than when I sat down and watched this version again with looking at everyone with a critical eye. kind of wish I hadn't had that because I'm wondering if that's tainted my version of Edward Van Sloan as Van Helsing in this. Because I think if I hadn't been having like the long-haired, uh, what's his, Wolverine in my head when I hear the name. Oh, Hugh Jackman? Yeah, Hugh Jackman, yeah. I think I would have really dug this Van Helsing this time around. I didn't not like him. It's just he. I think he, I would have found him cooler is a weird thing to say, but I'd really think I would have. See, and, and to me, Van Helsing uh, is is um, Anthony Hopkins from the other dragon. Oh, I even for, oh, you know, yeah. it's, I did it's, it's, that one's and, I, and this stood up to that to I, me. I, yeah. I like that movie, but I forget that movie. I just that I don't know why that one just not want to stay in my memory. It's, Gary Oldman was it's great. Not in that. that good of a movie. Well, Gary Oldman it, is it, a Gary highlight. Oldman was good, yeah. and yeah, Gary, Gary Reeves was, was watchable. No, he wasn't. Okay, he then was, maybe <laughs> that's the part that won't stick in my memory. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He wasn't watchable, and neither was what's her name, uh, uh, the one that played. Writer. Yeah, oh, she's in that. I even forgot that. Okay. Oh, did she scream every cry every three seconds like Strange Days or Stranger Things? I mean, her and and Keanu are both trying to do English accents, and it's really bad. Well, maybe. Well, you know what? That's funny. It's like you. I even forgot. Uh, That's how little this that that movie stays in my memory. I forgot when Winona Ryder was in that. I remember Redhead being in that. That's all I remember. There are good things about that movie, but I'm really happy that I watched this movie because I've started to see all of the interesting things that they pulled from this movie into that, into the newer movie. And Van Helsing was very much channeled this Van Helsing as well. Okay. Like Edward Ben Sloan was, was very much being channeled by um, Anthony Hopkins when he did it. And, and it was a much more intelligent Van Helsing than um, the Australian. <laughs> There's a 
apparently there's a is this a series it looks like there's a sci-fi series called van helsing is this new i don't recognize this one i was trying to double check i remember league of extraordinary gentlemen i was trying to remember sean connery was van helsing which he was not he was not and when i was typing in van helsing this tv show came up i'm not familiar with this that's (laughs) interesting and when i usually use the word interesting i mean not (laughs) (laughs) just a little hint if you ever meet me on the street and you tell me something and i say it's interesting (laughs) not (laughs) <laughs> there was a um an anime that was based on van helsing oh my god i'm sorry done. i didn't mean to interrupt you but i have to because this van helsing is vanessa helsing oh yes i've heard of that one <laughs> you have okay yeah it's i heard it was really bad too but it was as i was saying there was an anime that was done that was pretty good uh basically you know van helsing had created this society of vampire hunters and yada 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 not a, not a bad series. I if you like anime, I'll pick it up and try it. Mm. Um, it was fairly highly regarded, uh, and the main vampire hunter was a vampire, which was oh, that's weird. interesting. Cool. Um, let's see, what else do we have on the nineteen thirty one? Checking my notes. My notes are starting to run out. Here. Yeah, mine are all over the place. I'm gonna skim through mine as well here. Yeah, I just mentioned the comic reliefs. We we got through those. Um. And the other thing, again, the pacing in this moving uh, movie at, tw- at 20 minutes, we're done in Transylvania. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, very quick. Um, but then again, I thought about it. And it's like, well, almost a third of the movie was in Transylvania though. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just it's a short movie. Yeah. Karen said something about the music earlier and I didn't want to pass this up. Now the, the copy of the DVD we all have has the alternate track with the Philip glass, uh, soundtrack i think from hmm, what year was that from 1998 i do have it written here did either of you listen to that no no this is there's i have two problem problems with this in air quotes that no one can see and the first problem might be because the original dracula has no music except when there is a scene where they're mm-hmm. at a at a music performance Knowing the movie already at that point, then trying to listen to it with this soundtrack, it almost seems like there's more music than there should be. Like, like more than a, if it were originally scored, it's like beyond that. It seems like 98% of this movie has music when you listen to that version, which is almost distracting. Huh. Yeah, the it's other, overkill. The other problem I have with it, and it's the same problem I have, not to call back Star Wars, but I'm going to, the same problem I have with the special editions of Star Wars, any edition to the original Star Wars. The the soundtrack we know the soundtrack the soundtrack is eighty five years old. I mean the uh the not the score the soundtrack the the audio track is eighty five years old. It's not the highest quality over time. Archiving wasn't what it is today. There was no digital, so it's a little scratchy. It's a little muffled. This music score is crystal clear. It is so distracting, and it's not that difficult to oh. to like downgrade that score to match the movie. And it, I mean, right. there's no reason a DVD, even a Blu-ray more so, you can have all three tracks. You can have the crystal clear score, you can have the one that matches the audio track, and then have one without it. It is so clear. It doesn't. It, it already doesn't fit to me, and, and, and that might be because I've seen it so many times without it. It doesn't fit to me because there's so much music, and then on top of it, it's just the quality doesn't match. So it's like, you're, you're, it's, it certainly doesn't feel like it's part of the movie. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't watch that. I and now I for sure won't because uh, <laughs> yeah. well, just just watching the 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 movie that uh, I watched, I don't think it needed no, a soundtrack. I agree. Yeah. Yep. It, it was and and honestly, it was very um, when they actually went to the theater and they were watching the music, and it, it was it was really kind of cool to 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 sit there and go, okay, you know, there's there's some music going on, and then. It stops so that the conversation can happen. And then when the movie swells up or the mutant movie music swells up again, everybody sits down and is quiet. It's like, that was just kind of really, you don't get that in movies these days, right? You don't get that effect because there's always, you're always expecting sound and you're always expecting music and you're always expecting that kind of stuff. I thought, I I don't know. I thought it was a good effect on its own that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. now we're talking about that scene. I did want to mention this, and this is, I think this goes to directing. I don't think it has anything to do with acting or even the script. I think this is just a, a really big miss on directing. When Dracula first meets Dr. Seward right outside their orchestra box, he's, 
he stopped. The director has him stop, or for some reason he stops short of climbing into the box. And Bella Lugosi's actually taller than this actor, which we see like two, three minutes later. Now, Dracula's not threatening him. Dra- Dracula's not imposing on him. But you know that the for the character, Dracula is imposing. He is threatening. He is larger than life in a sense. He's supernatural. He should have been up on the same level as the actor so that the impression of him being imposing and larger than him and intimidating without the scene being intimidating should have been conveyed. Instead, he's a foot shorter than him and it looks really weird. Mm-hmm. That's I, I, I didn't notice that, but now that you say it, that, that makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah, it's a very odd scene because then after the exchange happens and he meets the daughter, which, of course, Nina is a huge part of the rest of the story from here, here on out. Then he's kind of up in the box. We don't even see him climb up in there. And there's only like just a passing moment of Dr. Stewart and Dracula toe to toe because that's when Dr. Stewart leaves for his phone call. It's, it's a very right. poor decision in directing and that just that scene. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. All right. Uh, are we finished? Anything anyone else wants to bring up about the, the movie itself? I no, I'm just really yeah. curious what your guys final thoughts on it are. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I knew Karen hadn't seen it. She, that's going to be the case with all these and Quinn. I didn't know. I don't yeah. know which ones you've seen and not seen. And I don't want to know. I'm, I'm enjoying yeah, finding no, out as we go. So, um, I'll go first. I am actually really, this, this, I was scared to do this particular project. Cause I was like, <laughs> how many hours of bad movies do I, am I really going to have to watch? Right. And I was pleasantly surprised. I turned it on and I was actually, I had to force myself to turn it to, to pause it when I did just to write some notes down and hack my lung out. Um, <laughs> and, and it was like, I was really looking forward to hitting the play button again and finishing the movie. I was not bored. I was not, I, I had a really good time watching this movie. And I think for, for a 1931 movie, it holds up very, very well. Nice. Yeah. I have to agree with all that. Cause I, I was kind of worried myself knowing how they're talked about as classic movies and everybody loves them. And you, you know, being told you you need to see them as a horror fan, you need to have seen them. Um, I was also worried that it was going to be, I put them on and I was going to be bored out of my mind because <laughs> they're so old and, you know, it don't have the same budget range as we have today. But I I also was pleasantly surprised and, and enjoyed watching it thoroughly, enjoyed watching it more than any horror movie that I've probably seen in the last that has come out in the last three years wow, or, or more because they've just been absolutely horrible lately. So I, I enjoyed it immensely. I'm glad actually now looking forward to, to watching the rest of them. I'm it was oh, go ahead. I'm just, I'm going to say, I'm really excited to hear you both say that because it's like, I wouldn't, again, I, there's, the nostalgia factor for me, I first watched this on Channel 48 in Philadelphia. Karen's the only one that knows this. There's a couple <laughs> of listeners that know what that means. That is like the the bottom of the barrel of the UHF channels in the Philadelphia market. So I've watched this since God, most of my life in, in one way or another. So, but, but not having a nostalgia factor, at, like Karen had said, with the um, movie making as it is today, I was wondering how this was going to play off. So I'm glad to hear that. And I'm also glad to hear that you really enjoyed this one because, in my opinion, I don't think this is the best classic Universal monster movie at all. Like, not even I was by far. Just going to mention that that uh, the other thing that scared me is that uh, when I decided that we were going to do oldest to newest, I was like, okay, this is the oldest one. This is going to be like the the diciest one to watch. It was good. I liked it. Yeah. So if that's if you're already on board with this one, I think it's just going to be all. Um, it's just going to rise up from here because my favorite is yet to come. It's a few in here, but it's it. I, in my opinion, it just takes off from here. Uh, I think the, as far as the history of this movie goes, I think this was exactly enough. It did exactly enough that it needed to, to launch, to launch the horror genre. They tried some new things, some things they played safe, I think any less it, and it wouldn't have started the, genre it did more i mean could have been better but i think it it did just enough Mm -hmm. to get this genre genre viable and lead into what we're going to be talking about next 
And there was there was one other thing that I that I forgotten before we get into some of the other things. Um, it, there was no fangs. Yes. No. Yeah. There was there was no scenes where you actually saw his head get close to anyone. Well, that's not true. That the first um, uh, the first victim in London, you you kind of see him get close to her. Mm-hmm. But but everything is left to the imagination. Everything yeah. is off screen. You know, as soon as he starts going in for the kill, it just you, it stops and it leaves everything into your imagination. I thought that was it's refreshing to see that again. True, in, yeah. You know, the day and age we have yeah. now, where everything is visceral because they can do the <laughs> yes. effects and you can do all that stuff. Right? It's really nice to see that again. It was yeah. it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, you see no fang marks, you see no biting, you see no blood, you see no bodies. Yeah, even when we see Nina's neck, it's like two, well, I mean, it's black, I was going to say red spots, it's black and white movie, but you would imagine they're, they're red spots. They're not even puncture wounds. Oh, there's yeah. nothing. Yep. Um, and I, it's, it's cool that, that they still manage to convey all of that that fear and fright and and the, the how, how much of a monster he really is without any of that. Yeah. He's a very... It's a very interesting way to launch a genre and even do a movie, especially in the early talkie days, because he is the, it's, it's a movie about the villain. So uh, you can't, he's not hmm, outwardly vilified yet. He is the root behind all of the uh, conflict in this movie. It's really, again, this is 1931. I mean, this is like, it's a weird it's a weird comparison but i think characterization you'll agree with me it's like a it's a walter white character that was done 80 years ago yeah Yeah, you're you're not necessarily rooting for him no that's the difference maybe that's the difference but it's still it's i think i think the it's in the same realm they're not the same but it's it's breaking bad was all about the bad guy dracula is all about the bad guy yeah, yeah. And, and I know the one that the, to me the one that I was really rooting for was Renfield. That's true. You know, I yes. really wanted Renfield to come out of it, you know, sane and and whole, and finally people believe him and all this stuff. But that, of course, that doesn't happen. Wow. in a really weird that way, happens, that's he's the Jesse Pinkman of Dracula. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, I think we've we've covered us whatever we need to do. Um, I would encourage our audience to definitely watch this if they haven't. Um, if they have and they like it, watch it again. It's always a fun watch. Yep. Um, I have some HHN related stuff. Oh yeah, and got to tie in this to Halloween Horror Nights, and this is a long, long list. It I'm is. not going to go into too much of what happens. If you want to, if you want to hear about the details of of these uh, mazes and things, please go listen to our other shows. We cover everything in very much, very deep detail in the years. So I'm going to list the years and the names of the mazes. Um, and then a couple of inspirations. Yeah. Um, 1995. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Big, what? big, big miss. Fright Nights. Uh, He's on the cover of Fright Nights. Oh shit, he is. Nineteen ninety one, the very <laughs> first one. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, he's on uh, he's on the cover, yes. He's, yeah, he's, argu- nothing- he's arguably sharing I, I it with Dead Center with Frankenstein's monster. Yes, he is. Yep. Sorry. No, My no, that's okay. It's that was the only one I was like I that I yeah, if you missed that, I was gonna have to interject and, and it looked like you're getting right past it. I was jumping through years really, really like <laughs> through years and i was like holy crap another holy crap another well, you're, you're I, absolutely yeah. right half of my literally half of my notes in front of me are the movie the other half are halloween Horror nights that's how prevalent he is in this um okay so 1991 he was on the cover yeah. uh um or was one of the faces of it uh 1995 universal house of horrors he was in that uh and that was again they, they this is going to be a running theme in the next few years they did a uh, several several mazes in these years which were uh they took all of the universal monsters and put them into a maze. And this was the first one. The next one was the very next year in 96, a uh, new house of horrors. Um, 97 was a museum of horror. <laughs> Universal's museum of horror, a similar effect. Uh, 98 museum of horror chamber of horrors again. So it, it just year after year, they just kept doing it. I mean, I can't imagine it was, it was because they didn't have any other ideas. Right. Yeah. I think it was, <laughs> It was working so well and people were loving it so much. They just kept kept putting it on. Um, 99 universal creature features in 3d, the first 3d maze. He was in it. Um, you know, 
uh, in 2000, Universal Classic Monster Mania. And then it dies down for a while. Yes, I think yeah. that after 2000, uh, they stopped using a lot of the classic monsters movies and they stopped using a lot of that stuff in Halloween Horror Nights. It did come back a little bit in 2009, which was Dracula Legacy in Blood. And then in 2015, uh, Jack presents 25 Years of Monsters and Mayhem. Those are the all the the real. I I, I would say this these were, those were all of the ones that were inspired by the Universal Classic movies. Um, there's a couple more mentions that I'm going to give that were inspired by the the Dracula thing, and I don't think that any of these properties or any of these things would have ever been around had the original Dracula not been successful. Um, 2004 Castle Vampire, not Dracula, but it's it's directly based on all of the va- uh, Dracula legend stuff. Yeah, Blood Massacre, 2006, same thing. Um, 2007 Vampire Bloodbath, that was the the spinoff on on Castle Vampire. 2014 Dracula Untold: Reign of Blood, <sighs> new movie. <laughs> yeah, but that movie would not have been existing without uh, the original. Um, if the originals weren't successful, if that story hadn't been been brought to screen, I don't think we would have had any more of them. And then, of course, last year's Vamp 50 or this year's Vamp 55. I had to throw that in there just because it was so good. Yep. Um, I do have a couple of additions, if you don't mind. Not at all. The um, the black and white characters for Diane. Uh, double feature last year, twenty five. There, oh, not. Well, I guess last year is now twenty six. For twenty five, had a Dracula, the Bela Lugosi Dracula, the black cape, the medallion, and everything. Um, the uh, the Legacy in Blood. We haven't talked about that yet. That one's going to be interesting. That is two thousand nine. That was the year of Benicio del Toro's Wolfman, and that was featured in that year's Halloween Horror Nights. So along with that, they did two new interpretations of two classics. Dracula Legacy in Blood was one. The other was Frankenstein Creation of the Damned. So it was inspired, and it was definitely an homage to these, but there were new interpretations. When we talk about that, we're going to have a lot to talk about. The last thing I wanted to mention, it's also Fright Nights, and we Quint and I talked about this. This is before Karen had joined the show. One of the features of Fright Nights was in one of their, it wasn't a soundstage, it was one of the buildings, they had a theater, and it was, oh, what the heck was it called? Um, I want to say it was like Dr. Frankenstein's double feature theater or something. Oh, here it is, Dr. Frankenstein's theater featuring Mistress of the Night. They played movies in there throughout the night. They played two movies specifically. One was Frankenstein, the other was this. Now having seen this, and you guys knowing the legacy of this movie behind horror, universal horror and Halloween Horror Nights, how awesome would it be to go to Halloween Horror Nights, sit down for an hour and 20 minutes and watch this movie? That would be pretty That'd well, be cool. Yeah. It, so. would be, it would be cool, but it would be, uh, there's no way we could do it. It would be too much time to waste this. That's true. Yes. The way they yeah. do Halloween yeah. Horror Nights now. But back then, yeah, that would have been freaking great. Back then, one house and nothing but sideshows. That yeah, that, that was a that was a great addition yeah. to it. I would have loved to have seen that. I mean, there's some yeah. other stuff I have here. You've hit most of them, if not all of them. He's just everywhere. I mean, th- and it, it, him and Frankenstein and a couple others we'll talk about are synonymous with horror and absolutely with universal horror. It's it's right. They, he's going to show up really again. Are. There's no way he's not going to, and it's going to be part right. of this legacy forever. Uh, there's, there's just no denying that that between Frankenstein and Dracula, they are the two biggest horror icons ever. Yes, right? I mean, yep. even when you get to the modern era, when you have the Freddy and the Jason and all this, they're still not Dracula and Frankenstein. Like Dracula and Frankenstein are just staples. This, there's that, that is horror. Um, yeah, so I was. It was very fun to see the first sta- uh, screen adaptation or Taki adaptation, and I'm glad you made me watch it. <laughs> Good, yeah. The, uh, the it's funny that you'd say that's that's a great point, and I want to ask. I'll ask Karen this specifically, even though it's a question I kind of for both of you. Karen, having never seen this before, I mean, how much of your life have you known of this version of Dracula? I mean, like this characterization of Dracula without seeing this movie. Oh gosh. Probably at least a half, if not more. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely more. It's like probably three quarters yeah, of my I, life I've known about it. Yeah, I can't think of when I when I first yeah. knew about it because I think I think the first time I'd ever been introduced to vampires and Dracula, this was this was it. Right? That's 
Yep. And that is exactly my point. Even without seeing this movie, you know this Dracula. Character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's to me that that to me is I I, I think of no better uh, definition of an icon than that statement. Yeah. Like we you said earlier, any of the tropes that anybody does, that's that's where they got it from. (laughs) It's from him. Kid dresses up as Dracula for Halloween, taking the the cape across his face or i am you know just saying i am dracula it came from him it, it, you know there, it didn't come anywhere else this this movie is so iconic as a, as we speak i posted a picture on instagram of my little dracula action figure holding up a sign that says catacombs hollering hard nights dracula and adam carolla or at least his people have now liked it so it's even got <laughs> adam carolla's attention excellent yep so um yeah it was it, I'm I'm very happy that I watched it. I am very excited. I'm, I'm so happy that you guys had this reaction. I didn't know what it was going to be. And honestly, I wouldn't have blamed you if it went the other way, because it's hard to get into an 85-year-old movie if you haven't grown up with it. But it really makes me excited for stuff to come, because I think we're just scratching the surface. Uh, we are, in, in a lot of ways, because it's... And we, and was, we said it a hundred times, it, it because of the, the technical change of Silent the Talkies and the beginning of the genre, things just keep growing from here. Yeah, and I was thinking uh, uh, the same thing. I was like, this is the first one. It's it's probably only going to get better from here. I'll have, I'm sure there's a dud somewhere, but I'm looking forward to it because I'm sure that the, it's just going to get better. The filmmaking is going to get better. The acting is probably going to get a little more towards the, the camera rather than the back of the room acting. And it's just it's going to be fun to see the progression. And yeah, I, I I'm after watching this, I'm now looking forward to it. Nice. It's not the chore that I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Uh, but I guess we should say, because this is, what is it? It's December 11th. We're Our next recording is going to have to be, I guess, our Christmas special, is it not? To get it in? Probably. Yep. Yeah. Well, if you haven't heard it all year long this season, oh, it's weird to say season because we're, we're a year-long show now, but if you haven't heard it since we came back from our first year hiatus, our Christmas special, should, well, we need to tell them what it is so people can prepare it is going to be our audio commentary of Santa's sleigh. It's not a universal oh, yeah. picture, but it doesn't need to be a universal <laughs> picture. This, no. If you haven't no. seen this movie, Quinn actually discovered it on our um, Christmas special last year, where he, he compared some things in Christmas lore to Halloween and just like I think it may have been one of the last things you said in passing, and then there's Santa Slay with Bill Goldberg and Karen. And I leapt out of our seats and immediately hit IMDb, and I think we all watched it the same night because I think we were texting back and forth. And it's it is Karen got, had already watched it. Oh, she had. Okay, yeah, she was the one that said go watch it. Oh, okay, just for the first yeah. five minutes alone, go watch it. So yeah, um, and I we we would get into why this is this is one of the perfect movies. Yep. So we're going to record an audio commentary for it. Um just as a cursory glance, it's available on Amazon Home Video for 3 bucks. That's the first place I found it. It's probably other places to find it. It's not expensive. It's worth getting, not even just for I I wouldn't even say get it for our commentary. I think our commentary might be a bonus to your $3 because you're going to enjoy this. If you like hard, if you like just campy movies, it just Unique movie. I don't know, man. I don't know how to describe this. It's awesome. Just <laughs> go see this movie. You know, it's yeah, Bill it, Goldberg it's, for crying out loud. <laughs> exactly. And he's hot right now, man. He was. We saw this before his re return to WWE, and and now, I mean, yeah. he's he's. Hey, I got a I got a retweet from Mike Aiello on that one. There, yeah, exactly, yeah. So he's. <laughs> He's hot, man. This is the time to see this movie. This is the year to see this movie. I mean, and our commentary, I hope, is just a bonus to that. This is a great movie. So prepare yourself for that. Treat yourself to this movie. Make it a Christmas tradition like we are because it is phenomenal. Yeah. So that is it. It's Santa's sleigh. So get ready for that. We're going to record that commentary and release it. That is that is going to be a release right after because you can't edit it or else it won't match. So that's going to be an easy recording. There's going to be no waiting for that once we record it. So watch our social media pages. We'll definitely post as we're recording. You'll know it's going to come at least an hour and a half later after that. Yep. All right. Is that it? That is it. We all wrapped up. Karen, I think you were the one who, if there was any parting words, they were left to you. Nope, I got nothing. I love when I put her on the spot and she always goes, nope. 
Nope. Nope. Not nothing. Well, <laughs> I want to thank everyone for listening. It's a little different. It's our first one. Um, I had a lot of fun to it. Like I said, I, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. Um, now that I know that it, it, if, if you like this, we're just it's all up from here. So I'm very excited about this series. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, like I said, something new for the show, but we're we'll get our rhythm, and we won't. It's not. This is obviously when Halloween Horror Nights. Stuff comes up. That's where we shift our focus. This is just one of the things we're going to do to keep this show going. And there's no denying this movie and really all the movies we've picked to do are part of Halloween Horror Nights. I mean, they are. Without them, we wouldn't have a lot of what we've had in Halloween Horror Nights. So Uh, I guess that's it. I will say once again, thank you for listening. Christmas special will be up next. And after that, we'll get probably into Frankenstein unless they start really early revealing stuff and we have to do an instant reaction. Yeah. I, I am almost saying that jokingly, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think we'll get Frankenstein before. I think so. Hopefully. I think so. So uh, there you go. All right. So we'll be back with that episode next. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Quentin Karen, for joining me. And we will see you all in that next episode. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at Neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.